This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Ayman al-Zawahiri, the leader of al-Qaeda, was killed in Afghanistan by an American drone strike over the weekend, US officials said. He was second in command during the plotting of the September the 11th attacks and took over after Osama bin Laden was killed in 2011. For years, he lived outside Afghanistan but returned to Kabul, the capital, with the Taliban takeover last year. Mr Zawahiri was 71. The White House warned China against using Nancy Pelosi's prospective visit to Taiwan as a, quote, pretext to increase aggressive military activity in or around the Taiwan Strait. News reports suggest Ms Pelosi, the Speaker of America's House of Representatives, will arrive in Taiwan on Tuesday and meet President Tsai Ing-wen on Wednesday. She would be the highest-ranking American official to visit Taiwan since 1997. Chinese officials had threatened, quote, strong and resolute measures should she stop on the island. Two people died and thousands were forced to evacuate as a wildfire torched 55,000 acres, 22,258 hectares, in Northern California. The McKinney Fire, which erupted on Friday, is the state's largest wildfire this year. Meanwhile, the death toll in flood-stricken Kentucky reached 35 and is likely to rise further as hundreds of people remain unaccounted for, the governor said. Manufacturing activity in the Eurozone contracted in July, intensifying fears of a recession. S&P's Global's Purchasing Managers Index dropped to 49.8 in July compared with 52.1 in June. It was the first fall below 50, which indicates contraction, since May 2020. Staff absences due to COVID-19 and supply shortages contributed to the downturn. America's Securities and Exchange Commission charged 11 people in a crypto Ponzi scheme, alleging they built retail investors of more than $300 million. Among those charged were the four founders of the venture, known as Fossage, who are thought to live in Russia, Georgia and Indonesia. Fossage had, quote, no apparent source of revenue other than funds received from investors who made money by recruiting other participants, the SEC said in its complaint. Iran's atomic energy chief, Mohammad Eslami, said that the country has the ability to build a nuclear weapon, but does not plan to do so. His comments will increase anxiety over Iran's nuclear activities, which have increased since a deal to limit its nuclear program, agreed in 2015, began to unravel after America withdrew its support under the presidency of Donald Trump. Retail sales in Germany saw their biggest year-on-year slump since 1994, new data showed on Monday. Sales in June fell 8.8% in real terms compared to the same month last year, larger than the 8% drop predicted by analysts. High inflation, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the COVID-19 pandemic have all helped to deter shoppers. And fact of the day, 1,000, the number of nuclear warheads that the Pentagon expects China to have by 2030. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. 
Nancy Pelosi visits Taiwan. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of America's House of Representatives, is expected to land in Taiwan on Tuesday as part of a tour of Asia. Second in line to the president, after the vice president, she would be the most senior American politician to visit the self-governing island in 25 years. She could hardly have chosen a more febrile moment. On Monday, China, which claims Taiwan as part of its territory, celebrated Army Day, with the state media reportedly broadcasting videos of hypersonic missiles as part of quote realistic combat preparations. Xi Jinping, China's leader, cannot be seen as weak on Taiwan as he seeks a third term in office. He has made reunification with Taiwan, by force if necessary, one of his key aims. China's government spokesman has warned that Miss Pelosi's visit will quote lead to egregious political impact. Many worry the brinkmanship could result in some kind of violent confrontation, whether deliberately or, perhaps worse, by accident. Australia tightens its monetary policy again. The Reserve Bank of Australia will lift interest rates on Tuesday for the fourth month in a row in an attempt to dampen inflation. New data show that prices were 6.1% higher in the three months to June than a year earlier, below what was expected, but still the fastest increase in 21 years. Inflation will rise to almost 8% by Christmas, the Treasury warns. So the central bank is expected to raise interest rates by 0.5 percentage points to 1.85%. Its decisions are coming under increasing scrutiny. In July, Australia's new left-center Labour government launched an independent review of the bank, covering everything from its performance and policy tools to the makeup of its board. One issue in particular has rankled indebted Australians. They grumble that the Reserve Bank did not warn them that it would start tightening monetary policy, but the gripes are unlikely to deter the bank's policymakers, who are desperate to keep a lid on inflation. What flourishes in the desert? Arizona's primaries. Arizona has long been the petri dish for the paranoid strains of American politics, from the heyday of Barry Goldwater in the 1960s to its obsession with birtherism during Barack Obama's presidency. Now another strain is setting in. On Tuesday, Republican voters are expected to nominate candidates for the offices of governor, secretary of state, and senator, who all agree that the 2020 presidential election was stolen. Unsurprisingly, all have been endorsed by Donald Trump, the former president, who has been playing primary kingmaker and remains consumed with relitigating his electoral defeat. It is not the only contest that day that gives a glimpse into the future of the Republican Party. Voters in Kansas will decide in a referendum that would allow for sweeping bans on abortion. Some have already gone into effect in other states after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v.ersus Wade. Those who had hope for moderation in the party after Mr. Trump's defeat will have to wait a while longer. Ceasing a ceasefire in Yemen. Months of hope have given way to fear. A four-month ceasefire in Yemen is due to expire on Tuesday. Since 2015, the country has been ravaged by fighting between the Houthis, a Shia militant group, and a Saudi-led coalition. The truce brought a measure of calm. 
Oil tankers could anchor at Hodaida port, easing a fuel crisis in Hothi-controlled areas. The airport in Sana'a, the capital, resumed commercial flights for the first time in nearly six years. But the Hothis refused to extend the truce, nor have they delivered on their commitment to reopen roads into Thais, a city they have besieged for years. Instead, they have used the lull to recruit new fighters, while also breaking the ceasefire more than 1,500 times. There has been no progress towards a long-term political settlement. After a short respite, many Yemenis fear another round of fighting is soon to begin. Meet Pira, master of Thailand's dystopian pop. Unable to perform during a COVID-19 lockdown in Thailand, Piralanda Sukawat, a singer better known by her stage name, Pira, took to TikTok to release short clips in which she criticized what she called the, quote, dictatorial regime. She didn't think that anyone would care, but her clips were watched by hundreds of thousands. Many viewers shared her disillusionment. Soon, abuse flooded in, too. Thailand's authoritarian government has often tried to silence critics by locking them up. Fearing reprisals, Pira moved to London to pursue her brand of, quote, dystopian pop. The regime change she seeks seems unlikely to come soon. Prayuth Chanocha, the prime minister who seized power in a coup in 2014, can serve for no more than eight years, according to Thailand's constitution. His time should be up this month. But a court is expected to extend the limits of his term on a technicality. For now, Pira is happier in her adopted country. She feels that she, quote, can finally breathe. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. Which 1976 science fiction film was built on the premise that all people must be killed at the age of 30? Monday. Which actor supplied the voice of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck? Finally, here's the quote of the day from James Baldwin, who was born on this day in 1924. The price one pays for pursuing any profession or calling is an intimate knowledge of its ugly side. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app to start listening.